You're listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. This is episode 398 of the Ruby on Rails podcast, and today is a remote Ruby collaboration. I'm joined by Jason Charns and Andrew Mason. Paul Barr is the CEO and head audio editor at Peachtree Sound. He took to audio at a young age when his grandfather handed him his first portable cassette recorder. He and his audio friends eventually bootstrapped their first company back in 2003 and turned it into a seven-figure business. These days, they run a few different companies dealing with audio and sound. Paul's audio work can be heard on over 400 radio stations across the world, two of the major music streaming services, inside Walmart stores, and of course on podcasts in such categories as true crime, history, medical, corporate, and yes, framework podcasts such as the Ruby on Rails podcast and Remote Ruby. He lives in suburban Atlanta with his wife and three daughters. When he is not working, he's usually fixing something or building a piece of furniture. It does not get any more meta than this. Welcome to the show, Paul. Oh, thanks. Paul, you know, I normally start with the developer origin story, which you're very familiar with. But instead, I know we dabbled on your podcasting origin story. But can we dig more into that? Sure. So I took to sound at a very young age. I was always making sound effects and little audio stories. And by the time I got to high school... My grandmother asked me, like, what are you going to do for a living when you're older? And I was like, I don't know. I just want to make a lot of money. So I'm like going to be a lawyer or something. And she was like, have you ever thought about getting into radio? And I was like, yeah, radio. Those guys like work four hours a day. Sign me up. So I ended up going to a liberal arts college in Chicago called Columbia College. It's really not famous for much, except that Pat Sajak went there. It's basically a high school with ashtrays. So I went there after college. I started working at radio stations. I was editing radio commercials, station IDs. Those are those little things between the songs that identify it like WDVE. So I made those and much like a coder, I just paid my dues. I kept on moving up to bigger radio stations, bigger cities and bigger radio companies, eventually landing on the West Coast working for a giant radio company. And that's where I ran into my business partners in. We were doing these station IDs for pretty much the entire West Coast. And we got to thinking like, why are we letting this company make all this money off us when we should just do this ourselves? So we just kind of bootstrapped the whole thing, started a company in 2003. Within a year or so, we all quit our jobs and started doing it full time. A few years went by, we started picking up corporate clients, started doing film and TV projects, and then podcasting, you know, being in the audio world has been on our radar. I'd say it probably became seriously on our radar about 2012, I remember. And every year we'd be like, you know, this podcasting thing, I think it's becoming a thing. We really need to pay attention to it. And we talk about it, you know, is it viable? Can we make money at it? And every year we'd be like, nah, nah, forget it. So this just went on for year after year after year. And the universe gives you signs sometimes. And sometimes you just don't listen. And I was that guy. And it was, I'll never forget, it was spring of 2019. We were at a radio convention out in Los Angeles. And I don't know how it is at Ruby or Rails conferences, but these radio people tend to get just completely trashed at these things. So we were going to this meet and greet thing with drinks and stuff at night. And I'm like, you know what, guys, you guys drink, go have fun. I'll be designated driver. I don't want to be that guy at the convention everybody talks about. So we're sitting there talking with, you know, our syndication company that distributes our product. And this big executive comes by and he is just gone, trashed. I mean, he's that 
sloppy drunk, can't say words. He's spitting all over the place. He can't stand still. And he starts talking to me and he's like, what have you guys been up to? And I, you know, I'm like, just finished project for YouTube and whatnot. And he just grabs my shirt and he just yanks me and he says, you got to get into podcasting. And I'm like, yeah, we've been talking. And before I could even finish, he literally just grabs me and pulls me right to his lips. I mean, I can literally tell you what alcohol he was drinking at that time. He says, you need to get in right now. And I was like, okay, universe message received. So that fall, I put up a Google ad for Peachtree Sound. And we had already been doing a few corporate podcasts for some of our own clients and things started trickling in. I mean, we started landing like really big top 20, top 10 corporate companies doing their podcasts. And of course, you know, the odometer spins over and here we are at 2020 and the pandemic hits and everybody's, man, I'm home. I'm going to start a podcast. I should start a podcast. We need to do a podcast. And it just went nuts. So literally since March of 2020, I've been nonstop editing six to seven days a week. First of all, that general story gave me so many title ideas. I think between high schools with ashtrays and so many (laughs) other things you said, just really funny. So I'm curious, how did you get linked up with Remote Ruby? So yeah, again, thank you, Google ad. CodeFund had hit me up about doing their podcast. Started doing that. We hit it off and... Andrew was working at Code Fund at the time, and I'm sure he was the actual guy that like, hey, let's get the, them to help us out here. So I, I think that's kind of how it happened. Similar. Yeah, close. Close? It was, it was all Eric. Eric found everyone. Eric Berry. Eric Berry found y'all, and he got every... He was the one who ran all the podcast stuff, so I want to give him the props for finding y'all. Yeah, we were fortunate enough that when we were no longer doing the Code Fund podcasts, that we're able to still get sponsors because we couldn't imagine a life where we had to go back to like editing our own podcast because I mean, A, just the luxury of it, but B, like we are so bad at it. We try to avoid it, but the episodes like we had actually need to edit, I would try and go through and like remove the ums and try and cut out empty space. And I was just not good at it. And I had background in audio like recording and I was still like, this is the worst. I'm so bad at this. So You're just so blessed that Remote Ruby gets to continue working with you. And I started working with Paul back in June, whenever this podcast crossed over from 5 by 5 to be independent. When we decided to partner with Mirror Placement, they said, give us your list of things that you want. And I'm like, oh my God, I need an editor. I used to get so many emails from listeners. They're like, I love your content, but your sound is trash. And so it was like very nice. And they would try to help me, which I really appreciated, but it's just, it's not my forte. I loved finding the guests. I loved doing the show notes. I'm just not good at the editing aspect. And so it was so great. I reached out to Andrew and I was like, Andrew, I know your podcast sounds good. I need you to hook me up. And so made that connection and it has been amazing ever since. It's so great when I start recording an episode, I'm like, by the way, you should know about Paul. No matter what you do on this show, you're going to sound good. So look things up. You're going to sound so smart, so smooth. I recently had a non-English speaker on the show and Paul just made him sound incredible. So it was just, it's really great. Yeah. And our RubyConf episode that we recorded, Jason's mic didn't work. And I had bought a mic at Best Buy and we were like sharing it, but you can't even tell. You really can. I got so much positive feedback from that episode. So Paul really does work magic. Not only is the quality good, but like my favorite part is when we email... Paul on Friday because 
it's just so fun to talk to Paul. I guess because you have to listen to us ramble. Like it just feels like you know us and we know you, and we just start sharing stories over email. Like it's like a big family. It's great. Both podcasts. I just love editing them. It's something different. You know, I deal with really boring stuff and these are just always fun to edit. You know, I know exactly what's going on in Jason and Andrew's life and Brittany, you know, she's such a pro. It's just fun to just listen to her. I'm like, she could be a professional podcast host. That could be her job. There's three people I could think of and she's like one of them. I'm wearing a really bright pink shirt right now and my face is literally matching it. (laughs) My favorite is when Paul will email me and he'll spoil stuff on Remote Ruby, but he won't tell me everything. He's just listened to this episode. They say stuff about you. (laughs) I'm like, and I know he does it the other way around too. It's like really entertaining that we have this volley back and forth. It's so good. This episode of the Ruby on Rails podcast is brought to you by Honey Badger. It's that time of the year. Things tend to slow down. You can get organized, you can try out new tooling and start planning the bigger projects for next year. Reflect on 2021. Were you on top of your bugs? Do you feel confident in the health of all of your applications? If you've been considering trying Honey Badger, now is the time. Honey Badger makes you a DevOps hero by combining error monitoring, uptime monitoring, and check-in monitoring into a single easy to use platform. Honey Badger sends you alerts in real time with all the context needed to see what's causing the error and where it's hiding so you can quickly fix it and get on with your day. The included uptime and cron monitoring also lets you know when your external services are having issues or your background jobs go missing or silently fail. Head on over to honeybadger.io to learn more. Thank you to Honey Badger for being such a great supporter this year. Also, like, obviously, Ruby is obviously your favorite category of podcast to edit. But what falls next? Like, I know you do some true crime stuff. What's like entertaining to you to work on? I love the true crime stuff. Just from the creative standpoint, I've edited movies and TV shows. And, you know, it's all that sound design. Somebody telling a story and you get to put in, they're walking down, you know, a dark road and it's gravel. And you get to put in all these sound effects and paint the picture. So I always love those. It's just from the creative standpoint. The Ruby stuff, I just love because, you know, it's just fun to hear. I mean, you've edited at least 100 episodes of both of our podcasts. Are there certain words that exist within the Ruby community that you feel you just roll off the tongue at this point? My wife does show notes for some of the podcasts we do. First of all, it was a learning curve, just learning the nomenclature and slang y'all have. I literally remember like starting to edit these things. I'm like, oh my gosh, they said PR. What is a PR? I have no idea what a PR is. They're talking about GitHub. What's a GitHub? YAML, you know, my wife's yelling at me, I, I don't know how to spell YAML, a HAML. Yeah, I can't find it. So it was a big learning curve. But, you know, we'll sit at dinner and we'll just start spouting off things. I have to mention the episode. It's actually one of my favorite episodes of Remote Ruby. What I love about Remote Ruby is how real you all are. And this was the infamous episode where Andrew kicked it off, probably swearing for maybe three straight minutes. Oh my God. So can we talk about that? So and much longer that? than that. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I basically was taken off my medicine because during COVID, there was a COVID law, which I found out about later, where everyone who was practiced to like pharmacies or psychiatrists and doctors, they were able to practice in every single state during COVID. So typically you can only practice in your state, but they were able to practice in every state. So during COVID, when I moved to Arizona, I was still getting prescribed my medicine from my doctor in North Carolina, but then that COVID law ended. And so suddenly I called them to get a new refill and they were just like, we can't help you. And I spiraled a little bit 
And when I joined Remote Ruby, I was like, I just need to say this. And I was like, I don't care if it doesn't go in. I just need to say this out loud and just express my frustration to my friends about what, because I know, especially because Jason, like Jason also takes the same medication as me. So like, I know he understands like a lot more things than someone who wouldn't. So it was mostly me venting to Jason about this really difficult thing that was happening in my life. Was it podcast worthy? Probably not. I thought about it later. I was like, maybe I shouldn't have done that. But I was like, at the same time, I want the realness aspect of our podcast, I think is important. It's something people bring up a lot. And so sometimes I'm willing to throw it out there when things like that are happening. Yeah. You said that right? it was like three minutes, but in person, it was like 12. So I don't know what kind of magic Paul did. <laughs> it, but- he cut out a bunch of it because I said the F word a lot. Basically every other word. I was just so angry and upset and just like frustrated. Yeah, there's a lot on the cutting room floor for sure. And again, you were frustrated. And as an editor, I'm like, okay, I think we get the point. And that's what I did. But the thing about, and again, that's what I love about you guys. And you guys did that ADHD episode, which I just thought was so phenomenal. You guys had no idea how good that was. I listened to it. I'm like, man, this is the most real thing I've heard. I just love when people get real like that. This is an ongoing problem in all the industries. And here you guys are like, this is the meds I'm on. This is what triggers me. And I finished. And I literally told my wife, I'm like, you got to listen to this thing. It is just phenomenal. That makes my heart swell. Some of the best episodes absolutely have nothing to do with Ruby. I almost feel like we've tricked our listeners where they're like, oh, this is my Ruby theme. It's a surprise. This topic has nothing to do with it. But you're here and you're listening and it's edited really well. So we got you. Yeah, it's always crazy to the amount of people that reach out from episodes like that versus like us talking about Rails is so much different. I've met so many people through that. So that's why I will continue to do it. So Paul, you mentioned with the pandemic, so many people are like, hey, I'm in lockdown. I'm going to start a new podcast. What are the tips and tricks? The one thing I've heard is don't ever release a podcast without having many in the bank. But what advice do you have in order to have a long running podcast like ours? I could go through a bunch of tips. I can tell you it's okay to release episode by episode. You're starting off. There's no way even if you release 12 episodes that you're going to have a giant audience. We always tell people the number one way to build an audience is have good show notes. You need to have those keywords in there and you need to have those links because, you know, those little Google bots are going to find that and that's how you're going to get discovered. Another way to build that audience would be to go on somebody else's podcast. You could do a trade. I see it all the time. Some of the really good podcasters will go, I'll go on yours, you go on mine, and we'll do that. I always tell people shorter is better with podcasts. 40 minutes or under is what we do at the network level. And the reason is, statistically, you lose about 10% of your listening audience for every 10 minutes of runtime. So 40 minute podcast, you've lost 40% of your listening audience. So shorter is always better. I always tell people don't swear. (laughs) The thing is, you got to remember people are listening to these podcasts. Even Ruby people are listening in the car with their kids and it's always best to not swear. Do you think there's still room out there for additional podcasts out there? Do you think this is still an uncharted territory or do you think we're starting to get to that congestion point? Oh, we're way, way low on the curve right now. The growth for podcasting is just going to continue to grow. I see projections, especially for Ruby. I mean, nothing against the podcasts that exist out there, but there are so many untold stories. I don't know if this will have aired yet, but you guys just did a recent episode with Clyde and you had Caitlin on there. Oh my gosh. 
she is this brilliant junior. And I'm like, that's a story. That's a podcast that needs to be out there. Nobody's done a podcast from a senior and a junior's perspective. I would love to hear that. I think that would be amazing. And I heard her and Andrew was joking about it, but I was like, no, dude, you seriously need to consider doing that podcast. Yeah, I said we should do a podcast together because she was so well-spoken. And I was like, I could tell she had the radio voice. Like her, she was very clear. And I was like, this would be awesome. Yeah, it was a crazy experience. I've never had someone be like, hey, I just hired someone. Can I bring them? And to me, that was like, there was like a level of respect that like we talked about, I think after the recording stopped with that, I was like, this is incredible. Please keep doing this. But yeah, I think that one will come out before this one on our feed, at least. So I'm excited for everyone to hear that. I want to talk about a tweet that I saw Jason send out today. Is that the right verb to tweet out? Yeah. Of the tweet that Jason tweeted today about how the U.S. Postal Service is going to have a podcast. And I want to dig into like why corporate people or why these heads of PR have decided that they need to do a podcast. I'm sure you interact with a lot of people like that, Paul. Like, are they in it for the right reasons? Because really all of the Ruby podcasts that I'm aware of are really not corporate back. Yeah, it's the hot thing right now with a lot of companies. It's the blog of its day. It's just about, you need to create brand identity. You need to do this and we need a podcast. Everybody else has a podcast. We need a podcast. Whether it's good or not, I think some corporations, like the ones we do, are mainly internal podcasts. But brand identity, I mean, you got to be really careful with that, I think. I think we've gotten to a point where, you know, an episode of Sex and the City could tank Peloton stock over, you know, an unfortunate (laughs) fictional character's death. And I think we're starting to get to a point where podcasts can actually affect the stock price because CrossFit recently had a very controversial athlete on their podcast, which was scary because their equity could have gotten affected by that. So it's impressive how podcasts are actually gotten quite powerful. Too powerful, maybe. That Elon Musk episode on the Joe Rogan experience, I'll never forget it. Like their stock tanked after that. It was crazy. Your stock will definitely tank you on remote Ruby. You don't even have to say anything wrong. So Paul, like when people are starting podcasts, I wonder if we could get back to that. What do you recommend they start with? What's the minimum? Because I know a lot of people that I've told a lot of people, hey, you should start a podcast. And they're like, well, I don't have all the equipment for it. I'm like, we don't need everything, right? Like you can start off bare. Honestly, anyone can do it with a couple hundred dollar USB mics and some sort of Zoom, Zencaster, Riverside type program to record. It doesn't take a lot. But the thing is, if you are going to start a podcast and you all can attest to this, is that it is a commitment. Everybody's full of piss and vinegar, like first couple episodes, man, I'm gonna start a podcast. This is fun. We're doing a podcast. Episode four and five roll around like, oh God, I got to do another podcast. Help. Statistically, after seven episodes, a podcaster usually quits. They can't deal with it anymore. So if you are going to start a podcast, maybe you shouldn't do one every week. Maybe you should consider doing every other week or maybe just once a month. You know, you got to pick something that you can handle and that you can be consistent and commit to. I mean, the consistency is like the key in all of this with podcasts, or at least what I've heard. I mean, I've had people talk to me and they'd be like, hey man, I love the podcast. Sometimes y'all's episodes are like a little shorter and that messes up my walk or something. (laughs) So, I mean, and, and obviously not releasing on a day that you're supposed to throws everyone. Right. Again, it's that consistency. We always say like, you know, for the network level, it's always Tuesday through Thursday. Mondays are for the really big podcasts and Tuesday through Thursday are for everybody else. But then again, in your world, maybe it's Friday. It just depends. Again, if Friday's it, you got to post every Friday. Right. 
Is there like a day that you, that most people, I mean, I guess you just said it. What's like the best day to publish on? Tuesday through Thursday. Tuesday through Thursday. 6 a.m. Eastern. (laughs) I'm going through my head of the podcast I listen to and thinking of when they release. Yeah, I guess the majority do release, except for the bigger ones. Yeah, they release on Monday. Yep. Hi, everyone. It's Brian, your co-host. I'd like to talk to you about something that is very near and dear to my heart, and that's the software consultancy I co-founded in 2001, Atlantis Technology. Some of the longtime listeners here may know Mirror was born out of Atlantis back in 2006 when we figured, let's try being Ruby engineers who recruit Ruby engineers. It was a unique idea that clicked and now has become my life's work. But while I've been growing Mirror for the past 15 years, Atlantis has continued to grow as well. Atlantis still specializes in Ruby on Rails software development and collaborates on some pretty meaningful projects. Here are a couple of my favorites an interactive education tool to help elementary school students learn how to read. How cool is that, right? Second is a SaaS application for clinics and hospitals to treat patients remotely. So my point is the work we do is really meaningful and impactful to others. But the best part is the work gets done by great developers who also happen to be great people. Atlantis has always attracted egoless, empathetic engineers who love working together And we are actively seeking more remote engineers to help build the future for our clients. While I'm not doing the actual recruiting for Atlantis myself, since my time is so focused on Mirror clients, it'd be my privilege to connect you with our CTO and co-founder, John Collier, who after 19 years, I still describe as one of the most relentlessly positive human beings I know. If you'd like to meet John and hear more about working at Atlantis, just drop me an email at brian at mirrorplacement.com and I'll make an intro or apply directly at atlantistech.com. We'll put a link in the show notes. The consistency thing is actually interesting. I just started listening to podcasts again because I started getting out in the world again. And there was one that like I just got addicted to, but they were pretty constant at first, but then they would just go weeks without updating you. And it was really frustrating. I didn't realize how frustrating it was. What made it worse was the last episode. They're like, our next episode comes out on a specific date. And then three weeks later, it wasn't out. And like, I got on Twitter and people were like, where is this? So yeah, that's actually really important. And I didn't realize that till I like got to the other side of it. So I was addicted to Serial Season 1. I had just started my former Ruby on Rails job and I was taking the bus for some reason. And I was just completely consumed by Serial Season 1. Hated Season 2. I spit on the grave of Season 2. But season one was fantastic. It's so exciting when a podcast is that addicting. Yeah, I started listening to Behind the Bastards last night. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. I won't talk about the character I'm listening to right now. But the first episode ended and I was like, it just started, I felt like. And it was like an hour. That's the stuff. Like, I wish I wish I could make that kind of quality content. Instead, Andrew and I just cuss at each other for an hour and put it on the world. Can you listen to a podcast while coding? I can't. No, 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 no. I can't comprehend it. I do sometimes put comedy podcasts on, but I always watch comedy podcasts as like a video. So I'll have it on my iPad beside my computer just playing, but not if I have to think. Paul, do you regularly have to take breaks from editing podcasts? Do you do anything busy with your hands? Maybe you're really good at Cat's Cradle by this point. No, all I do is edit. I literally edit from the time I wake up till I go to sleep. Honestly, again, from my editing background, like editing podcasts is like a Zen thing for me. Maybe you experience that in coding. For me, I don't even have to think about it. It's just I'm listening to the podcast. I'm seeing how things flow. 
And it's just, I don't even have to think about the editing. I'm just doing it. And for me, I just like zen out when I do it. What's your like editing workflow? So we'll use both your podcasts as an example. So somebody sends me an audio file. I then use a program to generate a transcript. I am like open source here. I will share anything I use here. So I use a program called Descript. And Descript is this crazy AI stuff. It will take the audio file and generate a transcript. And from this transcript, you can literally treat it like a Word document. If I highlight the word um and click delete, it will actually delete it in the audio file. And then there's some automated processes where I can just tell it, get rid of any of these words and it will delete all those instances of it. It can also shorten gaps. So I tell it to take anything that's longer than a second and knock it down to three quarters of a second. So I use that to create the audio file that I'll work with and I can export that into a program. I use something called Pro Tools and I take Pro Tools and then I adjust all those edits it made. An average podcast, just so you know, has usually about 300 filler words, the ums, the uhs, the likes. And I'm sure by the time we're done with this podcast here and I will have made all the edits, it'll probably be like a thousand edits to the podcast. I wish I knew what my top filler word was. You know. I do know. It's you know. (laughs) It's you know. You know. I made the mistake of saying something to Jason that Ruby copied about his use of like. <laughs> it just ruined everything in my life. <laughs> Tried to compliment him. I'll never do it again. Oh, man. I feel like I took a personality test right there just finding out what my filler word was. Yeah. You know, <laughs> honestly, I keep a lot of yours in. You don't over abuse it, but it's a common one. A lot of, especially out in California, a lot of people will go, right, right. They'll finish their sentence, right. So I have to edit those out. When I'm editing... I'm not worried about all those flaws. For me, when I'm doing a podcast, I'm listening to it and I always call them audio potholes. So I'm listening along and I'm like listening to the flow. It's all about how it flows. And if something just jars me, I'm like, okay, that's where I need to make an edit. And sometimes I'll let the filler word fly. And other times I'm like, no, that's got to (laughs) go. I'm going to surprise you once and just go on full on Pittsburghese in an episode and just see you edit it. (laughs) Yins, isn't that a... Oh, it is. (laughs) Ian's going downtown with a sweeper. Right. Okay. So, Paul, you talked about your editing workflow, but I'm curious, what order do you edit your shows? Do you ever find yourself needing like a palate cleanser? Do you ever need like a remote Ruby, like going into the afternoon, like palate cleanser before you get into that true crime? Yeah. Andrew and Jason will attest sometimes on an email on a Friday. I'm like, man, I I really need to hear your podcast because I just need something happy. I'll bump up a podcast just because I need something, like you said, as a palate cleanser. How much do you get into the data of it all? Do you ever track the shows that you edit? Are you curious about how they're performing? Do you ever curious what countries they're trending in? Yeah, that's another thing. You know, you got to remember you're speaking to a global audience. You guys don't probably even realize you guys both do very well in the UK, Australia, Germany. I was just checking you, Brittany. You're huge in Russia. Duh. You know, I'm huge in Russia. Right. You're kind of a big deal. And both your podcasts perform extremely well. And that should be a point to advertisers. (laughs) Yeah. Speaking of advertisers, I've gotten some real wild ones over the years. Someone asked me if they could sponsor shapewear on the show, alcohol, CBD. I'm like, mate, no, 
No, it's nice. I feel very privileged that we do have like a nice lineup of sponsors that we get to to work with. We both work with Honey Badger, which is they're amazing sponsors of both of the shows. And it's easy for us because we actually use these tools. I feel sorry for all these podcasts that need to like try to shoehorn in Blue Apron and they probably haven't cooked on their own in maybe 10 years. So I'm very grateful that at least we have relevant sponsors on our show. It can ruin like the continuity of it because I listen to a podcast where they advertise things, but then when they're talking about what they actually, like when they give the ad, they're like, oh, we use this. But when they talk about in their life, they don't actually use it and they slip up sometimes. And that kind of ruins it for me because, oh, well, I thought you said, I mean, I know it's like an advertiser thing. If you're not using or like you don't even try like the products that you're advertising, like it's an interesting move on your part considering it comes back to you. Paul, what is something that we could do to improve our podcast? Wow. I don't think you need to do anything. For a podcast, the number one error I hear from beginner podcasts is just mic technique. Everybody thinks they know how to use a mic. And I would say 90% of the people are completely wrong. And if you can capture good audio, I think that's key. I would tell anybody that's starting out, don't even worry about editing your podcast. You shouldn't be paying somebody yet. You're not ready. You need to concentrate on being a better speaker. If you become a better public speaker and can capture good sound from your mic, you shouldn't really need to edit that much. But yeah, you guys don't need to do anything. Just keep doing what you're doing. Keep it real. Change it up. That's what you guys always do. And that's perfect. Well, we appreciate that, Paul. And thank you so much for all the work that you've done on our shows. I can tell you that the quality and professionalism that has been reached on my show because of you has just been so great. And like I said, it's a real selling point because I'm such an advocate for getting first-time podcast guests onto the show that I use you as a selling mechanism. So I really appreciate it. <laughs> it's all my pleasure. Honestly, I really do enjoy it. You can see how fast I turn yours around. It's just like, oh, what what she's talking about. I got to hear who she's got on. So I genuinely get excited. I like when I send you like a little bit of a warning in the email or I'll be like, hey, Paul, this is a normal one. Enjoy. <laughs> so, Paul, where can listeners follow you, especially if they're interested in starting their own podcasts? Oh, my gosh. I'm going to sound like such a boomer here. I'm not a boomer. but <laughs> I am to social media as Andrew is to email. So I don't know how to use your face tube thingy that you guys all use. I know I'm on LinkedIn. I think I'm on Discord. It's probably under my name or Peachtree Sound. You can use my website, peachtreesound.com, my email. I actually still check email. That's a very boomery thing to do. Paul at peachtreesound.com. It may go to my AOL mail or my Lycos account. I'm not sure. Awesome. Well, please stalk Paul on Lycos. And we say this all the time, but we need more content out there, especially in the Ruby community. So if this has maybe inspired you as you're going into the new year saying, yep, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get that microphone and I'm finally going to record a couple episodes. Please do it. And I'm sure everybody on this recording today would be more than happy to help you get there. Thank you for everything, Paul. Yeah. Thanks, Paul. No, thank you. You've been listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded to stay in the loop on Ruby on Rails and open source software. While you're at it, please leave us a review. And thank you for listening.